Hello, I'm Toby Haydoke, and I'm going to try and find the joy in every single episode of Doctor Who that a friend of mine challenges me to watch, and I'm going to guess what they like about it too. Hello Toby, this is Jim Sangster. You know that guy from Liverpool who keeps popping up on the DVD extras? The story I've chosen for you to watch is the very first one. We're going to watch the Cavemen episodes. You know the ones some older fans call the Tribe of Gum. Well, welcome everybody. That was Jim Sankster introducing the idea that we are watching the first Doctor Who story, but without the sort of weight at the top end of the first episode. We're watching the Caveman Bits, uh, episodes two, three and four of this, of which this is episode three, The Forest of Fear. Uh, those of you watching the YouTube version, if you're listening to the podcast, there is a visual version of this uh, which comes out a little bit later where you can see what a mess my hair is in and how long my moustache is or isn't um uh, uh, uh i i i felt i'd i'd done some lovely stuff to 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 one of the cameras um you know just hitting it at the right time and making a couple of salient points and looking at the camera unfortunately the camera wasn't looking at me or well it was but just my knee uh, so it's not fire that will kill us all in the end on this podcast it is incompetence namely mine apologies i mean i, I suspect not being able to see my face uh, is is not the worst thing that's going to happen to anybody but nonetheless i'd i'd like to do this as well as possible but i seem hampered by my own incompetence anyway um with that out of the way um, let us proceed with episode, the third ever episode of Doctor Who. Jim Sankster is going to tell us his favourite thing at the end. He's chosen the guest cast already for episode two, so that is out. And I, I was there as well. I sort of talked about the caveman, cave people performances. So at the moment, it's one nil to me. Um, so, um, because for the uninitiated, my guest chooses their favourite things about the story. I have to see if I can choose the same things. And if I choose more of the... If, if I choose... If the majority of my choices are the same as their choices, I win. Which currently, at the time of recording, has never happened. And who knows, perhaps never will. But let's see if I do get a victory, if it's going to take place in the Forest of Fear. And so I would ask you to press play. I'm watching on the BBC DVD box set. Uh, so I will be pressing, I'm on episode select, I will be pressing select in three, two, one. Uh, and so it takes a while to kick in. So if you've just pressed play, you're already ahead of me. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that. So um, I've asked subscribers to my Patreon page as well. Oh, is that a plug for that? No, it's a subtle mention that uh, is a, a plug if you choose it so to be. Um, uh, have 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 uh, come to me with their thoughts, theories, and observations, which I will be perhaps uh, feeding into this as we go along. Um, one of them is uh, very appropriate to this episode. One of them is utter madness, and one of them is very sweet. And I'm very very grateful to them all. Um, so this is a this is a refilmed. Uh, uh, episode reprise. Some, some, sometimes it's a, what they do is they just take a film recording 
um, uh, of of last week's and snippet on the beginning. But uh, those are that's a different skull layout. I think I prefer the one from last week with the skull on its side. That one looks a bit more posed. But it starts with a close-up of the Doctor being desperately sorry. Uh, it's interesting where we, we sort of hang on things like that. That's, that's quite an important uh, moment where it shows that he's not the uh, uh, just the entirely erase, uh, uh, um, irascible and abrasive character that we so often talk about William Hartnell as being. That's partially because there was a sort of almost a group hallucination, I think, from people working at the part, uh, 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 in the show. Those very first interviews with people that had was, was, oh yes, William Hartnell was very old and he was very grumpy and his doctor was very grumpy. Well, one William Hartnell was 55, which is not that old. Um, and, and he may have been quite grumpy, but there's also lots of stories about him being very, very lovely. Um, and I think he, he had difficulties. Um, uh, but also his doctor is not uh, entirely 100% irascible. I, I love this. This is the this is the 1960s, lost 1960s drama school art of uh, holding something very still while the episode title and writer appear over it. In this case, it's Eileen Way holding a stone knife and blade. And she's she's looking at the camera there as well. Again, Warris Hussain shooting through uh, some hole in the cave here. Um which goes to show what an inventive director he is and how ambitious he is with his his camera work. I think that 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 slightly displaces our our characters and has us eavesdropping on their plight somewhat. Um, they don't half wrote, look at uh, the wonderful Jacqueline Hill on her front here. They're 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 very down and dirty. They do, as we see in this story, get uh, grubbier uh, than I think in any other time uh, in in the classic series, the TARDIS crew. Um, I like uh, Ian Chesterton, William Russell there, telling the Doctor, you know, don't sit there and criticise us. He's 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 gutsy and he's got fire, Ian. And uh, I and and you know they, you know we're we're working out the dynamic here, and and the Doctor says it blatantly. We have to we have to free Ian because Ian is the. Is, is the sort of action hero, for want of a better word. Uh, you know, he's the one that's more likely to, to be able to get them out of there. Um, but later on in this story, you, you know, Ian, when they say, who is your leader? He says, oh, the doctor is. The, the women get a slightly rougher deal. Um, you know, we, we, there's no point in, 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 in apologising for history, history, really. And I think within the confines and the limitation of what drama did, and sometimes when you, you watch other old dramas you know w w women get a pretty rough de deal uh, uh, across the board so within the context of the time um we're certainly lucky with the two actresses that we have and in spite of some of the very limiting things that they're given to do i also think they get that they get they get brilliant stuff to do but i think in this story particularly they do do they do get a uh uh quite a rough deal in 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 these episodes um Especially, I think J Jacqueline Hill, who who proves herself to be uh, a, a, an absolutely superb actress, and is and is given much better quality material later on. Fear makes companions of all of us. That's a that's a wonderful line and and one that has stuck. Um, Hartnell looks slightly wretched there, doesn't he? Slightly, uh, uh, you know, he's not dominating. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He, he, he's not full of authority. He's not the stuff of legend. He's a slightly lost. Uh, uh, you know, a slightly lost old man there, and I—he's vulnerable. I like that. Um, 
yeah the other thing Jim, Jim and I hit upon the same thing about the the the, the, the cave characters is that I, th- I think both both Jeremy Young and Derek Newark show the sort of thought processes that the, that the characters are doing they are they are slow witted by modern standards and by modern I mean also 1963 and and they and they show their their characters sort of minds sort of ticking over concepts that are difficult I, this is a slide cheat isn't it the idea that we we're, we're stuck in a cave we can't get out what are those twigs in the corner oh nothing well except they're just covering a massive hole in the side of the cave through which you could escape but uh Look at yeah, I the 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 shooting also favours the 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 faces. This isn't a a brilliant example of it because he he gets closer, um, particularly on Newark uh, and a lot of places. Although here we are, closeness of uh, of Alethea Charlton, he trusts his actors so much that he can get right up close to them. And and look at the way that Alethea Charlton's eye sort of narrowed slightly and thought, and then 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 brightened. Um, the, 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 every little sort of bit of facial expression uh, is 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 trusted here, and and shows a lot that the dialogue isn't doing. Look at look at Newark sort of as I say, his his, his mind is sort of ticking over and. Uh, uh, and and, the, and oh, and the black makeup on the teeth, by the way, is also very effective uh, to, to 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 try and show that these aren't twentieth century humans, despite the fact that they are played by people our size, our posture, you know, uh, uh, our teeth. Um, but they've, they, I think, I think they've gone for it very well, and 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 the the faces are great. That it's it's really good casting. Um, but I, ca- I can't choose the, the actors this week because I chose them last week. Um, so listen up. Um, Mark Owen. Um, not that, oh, oh, hang on. Uh, the first example of uh, uh, a polystyrene rock acting in the show's history. They, they do a they do a decent job of it you can slightly hear the the, the polystyrene uh, rock uh, you know the the, the, the it, it's it's very difficult to disguise but but viewers at the time I mean you were used to that sort of thing you were used to you were used to rocks that you know were largely sold to you by the the, the valiant efforts of the performers um, I actually think the set design here is in this series is very good Barry Newbury I, I, who did most of the historicals and Ray, and Ray Cusick are real heroes of 1960s Doctor Who, um, and that's a compromise that 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 hole in the wall. It was supposed to be high up, I think, and they were supposed to climb through. But it's only so much you can do in a studio. But there's there's little recesses in these, and the and the and the use of the skulls and plenty of bits to shoot through. I think you know, seeing as it's a cave, I think the designer gives the director lots of options that he uh, that he. Uh, it uses to their full advantage. Um, Derek Newark does a bit of sort of twitchy eye stuff as well. Again, that that that, that suggests the the whirring motors in it, the, the whirring synapses of this, as I say, less sophisticated human. It's 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 great stuff. Um, but Mark Owen, uh, 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 not that one. <laughs> Although. Um, uh, Howard Donald has sent me some amazing observations on the sensorites. Uh, no, Mark Owen uh, from my Patreon page says, um, 
I have a theory here that bounces merrily on the diving board of nerdiness and plunges into the deep end of retconning fanboy nonsense. I, I mean, I think it's worth it for that sentence alone. This jungle set's good too, by the way. Here goes. Episodes 2, 3 and 4 of An Unearthly Child are set on Gallifrey, the fast return switch being activated but not quite working correctly. By giving the tribe the secret of fire, the Doctor and Chums take the very first step towards the technology of the Time Lords. The Doctor has written his own future from the start. I apologise for the advanced nerdiness of this, and yes, I do have a life. I'm just grateful for the chance to get this off my chest without having to compile an A5 photocopied fanzine. Well, I mean, it's a theory, and if you your canon is what you want your canon to be, I, I, I... I, I'm I'm enchanted by that idea. I um, I I I actually like less the Doctor being a part of Time Lord lore and 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 a pioneer and uh, 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 and a history maker than a sort of you know slightly underachieving achieving travelling loon who nonetheless does what is right and uses intelligence and in invention and, and and moral conviction to 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 do amazing things despite not being the best at anything i i prefer i prefer the doctor to be an ac accidental tourist rather than the stuff of legends but that's because i i i think i think of myself as accidental rather than legendary uh, andrew i've, I've I've said before and we'll say again I think we create the doctor in our own image sometimes um but I I nonetheless I like the chutzpah of that uh theory um I'd watch these four doing anything again poor old Jacqueline Hill there has, has had to be scared of something uh was it off camera I know we do see the we see the creature slightly later and 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 the men here have to be very concerned for the women uh which which dates it um uh but but these these two men are excellent uh, i i i i like their fiery uh, splenetic uh, uh d dynamic that they've got there ian takes no nonsense and that but the doctor you know the doctor put, puts puts up a front as well um but it, it makes for it makes for a a testy dynamic, which I which I really like. The camera goes nice and high there. Uh, the camera works great because that's the other thing Morris is saying. Camera does is it creeps around uh, in, in, in quite and again quite a, an un, unsettling way. And these sets are, are, are tiny, but they do it. They do they 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 do a good job with them. Um, uh, and there's this, the, the sound effect there because we yeah we're going to have the. We're going to have the animal, which I, for, for the too much information, uh, the sister podcast to this, where I dissect this piece by piece, I'd, I'd started typing up when Zara is attacked by a bear. You don't actually see uh, what it is, and I don't think it specifies what the animal is. And I know in early drafts it was a, it was a panther, but uh, I, I think it's, yes. Uh, and, I, and I know that um, Barbara was originally supposed to get blood on her hands here, which would make her his, hysterics um, slightly more justified but it they, they 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 don't go for it as disgustingly as it as it was in the in the script although again that shooting through the 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 head of the carcass uh 
does the job. It's it's it suggests it rather. But uh, again, poor old Jacqueline Hill. Uh, I I uh, I I feel for. I don't think she does anything wrong. But Barbara has to do a lot of being alarmed um, for uh, for quite a long time. Uh, but that's good, isn't it? When you see that the the, the travellers go and then uh, the 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 two cave people come come into focus, following them. Um, and I love this shot of the four the four regulars. Uh, and again, the light bouncing off their 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 faces um, is is a really good image. Uh, and again, you know, the the the, the whole plot of this episode is basically that it's the forest of fear it's it's crossing from the cave to the it's it's the bit in between the cave of skulls and the tardis um now there's yeah so uh this this we're about to come across a slightly controversial bit which um is what nathan moore has uh uh has has emailed me about um Alethea Charlton's keening here is superb um, and they're having to sell this attack with, without us seeing it because that's television at the time we can't show an unspecified animal attack for a number of reasons so Alethea Charlton's off screen slightly odd but deliberately odd uh, keening whale uh, and, and, and the alarm shown by the travellers is, is, is what tells us what's gone on and there's a recording break to uh, apply a bit of bloody makeup to uh, Derek Newick's chest, uh, and I and I love her instinctive um, protection of 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 her man here, uh, and 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 that sort of that that mistrust and and that, as I say that sort of instinctive almost animalistic protective urge. Um, because I, I, because I used to think of Alethea Charlton as quite a, a sort of mumsy sort of actress, but she's really not. She's really it's really clever in this, and again, not award-winning type of stuff, not particularly rewarding type of stuff. But she absolutely commits, and she makes some really clever choices um, in, in in a role that I think a lot of people could have just you know done the done the basics with. Uh, so, uh, Nathan Moore says, The Tribe of Gum, uh, what are your thoughts on the Doctor threatening the life of a caveman during the first story? Is it, it a too obvious indication of his morally ambiguous beginnings? Well, I don't know if if it could be... Can it be too obvious? I mean, it it, it is quite... Oh, it's coming up. It it hasn't happened yet, but it it's it's it it is quite obviously staged. There's nothing in the way that William Hartnell grabs the knife that suggests he's he, he's attempting subterfuge. So he was always going to get caught. Um. Yeah, you tell him, Barbara. Um. And 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 the doctor sort of has a point. Uh, he's, you know, funny enough, the episodes I've, uh, can I say this because of the running order? Yeah, the episodes I've just watched actually are, is is the parting of the ways, where the Doctor refuses to be a pragmatist and goes, I'm not going to blow up the whole of the Dalek fleet, which is a really interesting bookend to this, where he goes, I, uh, you know, um, 
this this guy's an unsophisticated savage. Uh, that yeah, yeah. I mean, he's essentially saying that you know, yes, these aren't very developed people, so therefore, you know, their lives aren't worth quite so much. Now, if you're escaping potentially, you know, escaping with your lives, that 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 is not an un reasonable standpoint it's not necessarily the standpoint you want from the hero of a of a of a child-friendly tea time series which makes it interesting but of course don't say interesting toby which which um you know just just play with our sensibilities and of course as doctor who fans i think you know we largely go as a bit of an aberration that moment because the the doctor as well as giving up smoking smoking you know in this first story also gives up murder <laughs> um and, and we and we choose to overlook it but it you know it does happen um and of course there's a there's a there's a there's a contrast um with what happens here because uh you know czar holds a knife and there's nobody there to, uh, sorry cal holds a knife and there's nobody there to stop him uh Whereas what we're about to see now is the, is the Doctor also pick up a knife, but uh, it is the influence of 20th century mankind um, that stops him behaving like, interestingly, ah, I need an interesting box, like the 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 cave the the caveman that he has just condemned. He's just said, look, these people are unsophisticated savages. Um, so we should we should leave him and now he's about to pick up the knife and go and in fact kill him and we've just seen one of the unsophisticated savages do just that kill somebody with with the same sort of weapon so the the story kind of points the finger at the doctor in more ways than one um and 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 when mentioning that i love that bit that alethea charlton does when when she's when she's over over czar and not quite understanding the motives of of the 20th century people who's you know who yes they're not speaking a foreign language linguistically but they are you know morally and uh, and in terms of motivation uh and 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 hartnell holds himself brilliantly here and his facial expression is absolutely fantastic those darting eyes uh that sort of aloof pragmatism that he does but uh yeah, he's he's not very subtle here, um, <laughs> um, but it's it's there to it's 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 there to illustrate that the Doctor is a shifty anti-hero, which is definitely how producer Verity Lambert always described him as being anti-establishment and anti-hero. But they never. As I say, then they, they, they yeah, I mean, he's he's still duplicitous later on. He's duplicitous in the very next story, isn't he? he, he, he his 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 dishonesty um, uh, causes the whole adventure. So, uh, so it's always worth, I think, remembering. And the series does carry on reminding us. You think of Tom Baker's detachment about death, and uh, uh, that's just one example of it. And, and, and Baker's uh, John Pert was arrogance. Um, his pride, you know, the, the the doctor is not always nice and likable, and our friend, uh, and and yet we we love the doctor. Well, I do. Um, 
Howard Lang here from the Aneedan Line, uh, Man of the Sea. Uh, if you want to find out more about him, listen to my Too Much Information podcast where I'll tell you even what football team he supported. That's the stuff. God, Toby, your niche. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I was just going to compare myself. I was going to say I'm like, a, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a prostitute that dresses in a ghoul and recites the lyrics of Kajagoogoo. You know, I'm uh, somebody. Somebody wants me, but it, I'm, it's very bespoke uh, and probably slightly perverse. The old mother, the first death in Doctor Who. So Eileen Way. Uh, paved the way to uh, many more murders. Uh, how many on-screen deaths have there been in Doctor Who? I'm sure somebody has done a tally. Um, but naughty cow, use fibber. Um, uh, uh, but you don't. You, but also interesting. You 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 interesting. Um, you don't see her die. It's a it's an off-screen death. Funny enough, a bit like Clive in Rose when Doctor Who comes back who also dies off screen. And I remember thinking, oh, can, can you not show death on screen anymore? Doctor Who later got very bloodthirsty. But how interesting that the first, yeah, the first character death in, uh, in, in 2005 was off screen in the same way that the first character death is, is here. Um, and of course, um, one of these one of these cave people didn't make it to episode three. Margot Maxine, I wonder where she is, who uh, walked off set on recording day of episode two. Uh, oh, and here's a bit of film. Uh, 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 you know, showing, you know, the sanctuary of the TARDIS is blocked off. So they've been very quick, actually, if you think about it. And Jeremy Young having to do with his face at the end of the episode what Eileen way and what a face that's a brilliant shot and there you're really trusting your actors but he's having to hold that for a hell of a long time as the vision mixer fades very slowly to black uh, I bet as soon as that was finished he went oh thank Christ for that <laughs> that's the last time that credits on by the way special effects by the visual effects department of the BBC that is not on the next episode um uh so um I, I have to think of something to choose for episode three. Uh, so I will pause. Oh, no, I don't need to pause. It's going to go to the to the menu. What is my favorite thing about episode three? Now, it could be the set design. It could be Warris Hussain's shooting of faces. But oh, is Jim Sangster going to choose that? Is he going to choose that? Uh, it's not going to be the death of the old mother, is it? Is it going to be the doctor threatening to kill Tsar? I mean, that's that's the moment of the week. That's the bit to write home about. That's the historical anomaly that is is is, is probably you know if, if looking back now, that is the most notable uh, aspect of the episode because of all it throws up and because it's an unusual moment and because it it, it speaks to how different people view exactly who and what the doctor is and i think it's i i i think it's nice how the episode um you know has has cal doing the, the similar thing that's a that's an an interesting um symmetry that i i'd not necessarily noticed before um 
I, I, Barry Newbury's set design. Norman Kay's music, which I haven't talked about, but it's, it, it would be a cheat to choose it, having not spoken about it here. But I, I do like his music. I'll maybe save that to talk about next uh, week. And I also, next week, have a, have a lovely uh, way to open with um, uh, uh, a viewer and listener who has sent me in a lovely observation um, about watching this with his 12-year-old son. Uh, so I'll open next episode with that. I say that as much of a reminder to myself as to you. Um, but what will Jim Sankster have chosen? Uh, it's a tricky one. He might have chosen the set design, which is very, very good. But I, I think I have to be true to myself, and I think I have to say the camera work specifically. is very well directed, full stop, but I think that's a slight cheat uh, and i love and i love the roving camera and i love the camera that goes through the you know shoots through the set and stuff but i particularly like the way he worries to saying trusts his actors and goes right into the actors faces and we have a lot of lingering close-ups there that 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 that, that sort of show the complex psychology that's that's going on behind the eyes uh, and that's a, a great trust in your actors, but it also makes for very striking visuals because of the way that it is lit and because of the way that they are made up. And I don't, it's not just the cavemen there. I, I, I think, you know, the, the, there's close-ups of, 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 uh, of Hartnell uh, in particular, but all of, uh, well, and, 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 and uh, William Russell as well. So yeah, the close-ups, the, the, the actors' faces, um, the, the roving camera, the camera work, the camera work. What has Jim Sankster chosen? I bet he hasn't chosen the camera work. Best bit of the next episode, and actually it's it's all the way through the story, is the music. Ah. Especially the escape through the forest of fear. And I think it's a real shame that none of the original recordings for Norman Kay's serials survive because he destroyed them all. Apparently he felt that his TV work was beneath him and wasn't worth keeping. It's a small ensemble of musicians and it really adds to the creepiness and pace of the story. I absolutely love it. Uh, I do love the music, but and I did mention it, didn't I? But it, it would have been a cheat just because I didn't, I happen to not concentrate upon it on this particular commentary. That's the way that it goes. That's the nature of the beast and the format. Uh, so in the forest of fear, I was, uh, 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 I was flummoxed by my own format. Um, I'll take that. I, I mean, I and I will talk about the music, the music next time. I think um, because I'm not going to do it now because I have moving footage to talk over, and um, I, I don't want to have gaps in that whilst I've overstayed my welcome here. So, uh, without further ado, now that we know that <laughs> the Forest of Fear is uh, actually uh, on Gallifrey, and they were they were early Shabugans. Um, with, on that bombshell from Mark Owen. <laughs> well, uh, all I can say is, take that. Ta-ta. Well, it's very kind of you to listen to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock, and I hope that you enjoyed doing so. And I hope, too, that you enjoyed special guest Jim Sankster. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates, and it wouldn't be possible without the contributions of patrons, who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, 
Jenny at Bluebox99, Paul Cook, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, and Barry Platt. The artwork for these podcasts has been specially designed by Dylan Patterson, and on the YouTube video versions, there are thumbnails which have been done by Gavin Rymill. These podcasts have their own Twitter feed, Haydoke Podcasts, at Haydoke Podcasts. Give it a follow. If you would like to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Now, it's a slightly new system where you will be charged immediately upon joining, but the lowest tier is very affordable, and even with that, you get access to all of the material, which includes advance releases and exclusive stuff as well. And in the higher tiers, you could even get a badge or five. Um, If you can't or don't want to do the monthly thing, and that's perfectly understandable, uh, you could do a one-off contribution at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But I know times are tough and it'll cost you nothing, but would be hugely appreciated by me then if you could rate and review these five stars wherever you can. And any positive comments, they really help to tickle my algorithms. And who doesn't like an algorithm tickle? So you can do that absolutely free of charge everywhere and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please also subscribe to my YouTube channel, check out my website www.tobyhadoke.com and maybe come to my comedy night at twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey every Tuesday night at 8pm GMT where it'll be me and four guests from the comedy circuit from around the world. <laughs>